Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to part three of the Ironbrew podcasting conversation with Paul Hayes. In the second part, we looked at Hayes' second spell with the club, including the playoffs, staying up in the championship, and ultimately why he left the club the second time around. In this episode, we'll look to the third time he signed with the club, but we begin at Preston, where we find out that it actually nearly happened in 2010. I just want to ask about Preston, actually, because although it doesn't really work out for you there, there was talk of the time about you maybe coming back on loan for that third spell quite quickly. Uh, and I think in December 2010, Ian Barraclough actually admitted that he would have welcomed you back for that third spell. So was that something that was talked about? Did it ever get close to materialising? Yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, obviously I went to Preston and it was it was quite hard really because <clears throat> how it worked is obviously Fergie called me as soon as he even finished, Darren Ferguson. He's like, right, I want you to come to Preston, um, bring your family across, um, you know, we'll have a day out, do you know what I mean? We'll show you around the place, let you have a look around the stadium, do you know what I mean? So I was like, right, <clears throat> I'm out of contract. It's the first time I've ever been able to do this because I've always, I've always seen out my contracts, I've always... I mean, because I've been on the tribunal, I've, I've not really had my pick of choices. So I was like, right, okay, now I'll go across. And then as soon as I got there, he obviously took me into his office. Obviously, the kit man took my, uh, my ex-wife and, and the kids to the shop, kitted them up in Preston Kit Mired, and let them go on the pitch on a little kickabout. Well, I was in the office with, with Darren Ferguson. And then he started talking about players that you can bring in. He said, look, I'm going to bring in uh, Danny Welbeck. Uh, I'm going to bring in a few more Man United players. Do you know what I mean? Because my dad's obviously, <clears throat> you know, I've got obviously a great relationship with my dad and that sort of thing. He said, obviously, I've, I've been given money that I can go and spend on the best championship players and we're going to go up. No doubt about it, we're going to go up. We're going to get the top six and we're going to go up. And that's the ambition players. He said, they're the players that I'm going to get rid of in the squad. These are the players I'm going to keep. Got a good bunch here, going to add to it. You know, we're going to go to Marbella on a preseason tour for, for a week. We've got these games coming out against Everton and, and Blackburn and, and all the spill sort of thing. Um, so I was like, wow, this is this is completely different level to what I'm at Scone for. Do you know what I mean? It's like I'm playing with obviously Hoots, who's a great player, and now I'm going to play with Danny Welbeck. Um, this is surreal. So then, um, <coughs> talking sort of thing, and he said, just to have you know as well, you ain't leaving this club until you sign a contract. So I was like, what? He was like, no, I'm deadly serious. He said, you are not leaving this club because I want you to sign. You're my number one signing, my striker, and I need, I want you to sign. And it doesn't matter what it takes, you're going to be signing for me. So I thought, wow, this is, no one's ever said that to me before. This is going to be quite interesting. So obviously, Major's come over there sort of thing and um, we'll sort it out sort of thing. But then obviously, Leeds have got on the phone and so did Forrest get on the phone to Major at the time. Well, the same day sort of thing, they knew, they heard that I was at Preston. So Major's like, look, there's Leeds and there's, there's not in Forest. They want you to go there and they want to talk to you. So I was like, oh, I can't just leave Preston. Do you know what I mean? It's, have a little bit of, we need a little bit more dignity sort of thing. We need a little bit more respect sort of thing. So no, no, it's fine. But obviously talk to him, install it sort of thing. Anyway, we talked a lot sort of thing. And to be fair, like I say, sat down, Darren Ferguson was absolutely brilliant. He was like, look, just tell us, you know, realistically what you want within reason sort of thing. We can talk about the little negotiations, not a problem in front of the chairman. We'll sort this out. Let's, let's, I want to thrash this out here and now. No bullshitting, no nothing. Let's sort this out right now. 
Um, and I thought, do you know what? I can go to Leeds, I can go to Forest, or maybe wait for someone else at the end of the season or a few weeks. But this opportunity here for a manager to give you that, that sort of respect and that confidence, how can I say no to? Do you know what I mean? How am I going to get that somewhere else? I might not do. So in my head, I'm thinking, this feels right. This feels like someone who really cares for me and really wants to do well for me and, and, and he's willing to get off of me and try and give me anything I near enough want. Not that I'm being greedy, but it's a nice feeling. So um, I was like, right, okay. I said to my agent, I said, listen, let's just fresh out the deal. Do you know what I mean? It feels good. My gut feeling is saying yes. So we saw that deal. I walked out and I'm freaking, like I say, my kids are in a Preston kit now with haze on the back and kicking the ball in the field. So I'm thinking, it's a good thing I've made this choice because if I haven't, what am I going to do? <laughs> I'm going to have to get the kids back and Fergie's going to do me over. So um, I'm like, right, okay, done and dusted. That's fantastic sort of thing. And um, yeah, obviously started the season and then bang, about three weeks later when I went back, obviously I lived in Scunthorpe anyway to start with. Um, the club went into administration and I was like, I've just signed a three-year deal, you know, on a lot of X amount of money. The club have got administration. What the hell am I going to do now? So it was a big worry. And I spoke to Darren Ferguson and he said, listen, it's just, they're, they're just it's, a, it's a takeover sort of thing. So they've done that for whatever reason. So, but stay confident, not a problem sort of thing. Gone to pre-season, done that. And the, the players that Fergie wanted to get rid of, so he got rid of Neil Mellor, Neil Collins, Richard Chaplow, Darren Carr, um, some other top championship players and, and premiership players, basically have been at West Brom and, and stuff like that. He's already told them at the end of the season he doesn't want them anymore because he's done a new life and new play and stuff like that. So he had to banish them to like reserve and, and tell them you've got to find yourself a club. At the meantime, Fergie couldn't bring anyone in because the chairman had no money. So then we had to start the season with not the established players because they're either left or they're with the reserves and he, wouldn't, he didn't want to bring them back in. We had to start with the squad that we got and add a few young players in, like Danny Mir, who's a... Um, down at uh, Plymouth now and, and Adam Barton and younger players that are, weren't ready for first and football they had to be thrown in and he only brought in when, uh, Wayne Brown um, we also bring in uh, Morgan the centre half and myself there's only three players he brought in so we started the season with not a great team not great squad so I couldn't perform because I didn't really have a strike partner I could really play up front with and we struggled I think it was me and Chris Brown who were very very similar in the way we did sort of thing. neither one of us running behind and we struggled really to, to get goals and perform sort of thing and then Fergie just said to me look you're not the same player I brought in and I said I agree with you I said because I can't I struggle with, um, to get chemistry with certain players and certain forwards you know with this sort of thing not because it's their fault but just I, I can't click with them it's not the same players I'm used to Hoots or Andy Keogh or anything or Martin Patterson sort of thing so we had this sort of thing and he said look it's probably best that you you know I've got, got Ian Hume in now I'm going to do exchange go out alone so I thought, okay, I've only been here three months. Do you know what I mean? I've moved my family across. But I've got a chance here to really rekindle, go back to Barnsley and, and do well. So I went back to Barnsley. Barnsley funny enough, Preston were second bottom in, in the championship and, and Barnsley were in the top six. So I thought, <laughs> not many players get an opportunity to go from second bottom in the championship to the top six at, uh, in, in the league. So I went there for three months under Mark Robbins and, um, and it was good because I got to see old faces of Martin Devaney and... Bobby Hassel and, um, and Brian Alwood and stuff like that. So it was, quite, um, it was quite nice to go back and play for Barnsley again for, for the three months. But then I come back and then, like you say, that's then it was a case of, um, obviously, Fergie got sacked. David Unsworth took over for a few games and he was, what a man he is. What a great guy. I think he's at Evan, I'm 23 now. You know, again, I'll put him up there with, with the best that I've worked with, a great man, and you wouldn't mess with him. 
absolute solid man that you would have messed with. So obviously him, he, he obviously he only took a couple of games and then Phil Brown come in. And what a disaster that was of a man. Absolute shambolic. So he's come in. Obviously, he hasn't really played me to start with. Then he did play me. Then he obviously brought in players and me and him just didn't click at all. Me and him hated each other. Um, and that's then when obviously Burrow phoned me around sort of like say big end of December, January, that he saw that I wasn't involved and he said like, what's your, what's your thinking? Like how, how are you, how are you getting on? And that sort of thing. Just, just a courtesy call really. And um, I was like, Burrow, look, it's been a disaster. Like Phil Brown coming in now, I am not going to play any football at all. Like I need to play football. And he said, would you come back again? I said, Barrow, of course I would to play under you. Like if it's a totally different management staff and things like that, I'd have to think about it. I said, but to play under you, Barrow, I respect more like up there with Nigel and Cross and stuff like that. Of course I would, 100%. So Mr. Walker phoned me up and said like, you know, is it possibility? And I said, yeah, like, you know, I'd love to come back to play football. Like it'd be, it'd be lovely. Do you know what I mean? Like, didn't really properly leave on bad terms. Do you know what I mean? But I'd love to come back and hopefully help out Stonefall. And then they put a bid in. Um, and then obviously Phil Brown was like, not a chance. We're down the bottom battling with them. Why would I let him go to Stonefall to do well, to, um, to look bad on us? That ain't going to happen. So he thought about himself there and not, my, not me, obviously, as a player, which obviously some managers do. So I'd say down the chin that I wasn't at all allowed to go to Stonefall because Phil Brown wouldn't let it happen. So... We'll fast forward a little bit now and from afar you obviously will have seen the club go downhill pretty rapidly. Um, as you've mentioned, we lost quite a few of our best players and, and Steve Wharton left the club. Were you surprised how quickly the club kind of fell through the divisions uh, from, from the Championship to League Two? Yes, I, I genuinely thought that um, I, I, from afar, like you say, I, I can't remember where I was at. I think I might have been at Brentford. Um, or maybe at Cheltenham, one or the other. And um, yeah, I saw obviously Mr. Wharton obviously left. Obviously, I was still speaking to people still there and stuff. And they were saying that, you know, Mr. Wharton's obviously taking the club so far. And do you know what I mean? He's, he's obviously getting older and he's thinking about his health. And, you know, he wants to obviously see his family more because Scumford's taking over his life, which is totally understandable because you think the success that he's had and what he's put in and, and what he's sacrificed for the 12 years or, or maybe more as a chairman, totally respect that. So, but as has gone through and through and playing under him and knowing him and like being basically like a granddad to me and let me go around his house and stuff like that. It was, it was, it was such a shame to see him leave. Do you know what I mean? It was like seeing like Nigel leave, um, Scunthorpe, like seeing like Matthew Sparrow and Cliff, do you know what I mean? The, the main ones, like you, you hope to have stayed there. I was hoping that he was going to stay there, but I totally understand it. So it was there, but obviously from afar you take, you take on board and obviously, um, Mr. Swan come in and, you listen to what he's saying and what he wants to take to the next level. And it was like, wow, like that's quite interesting because as a, that's what, you know, you've, you've been waiting for to hear them things where he will definitely take him to, obviously <clears throat> Mr. Warren very clear by saying, I'd love to take it to the next level, but realistically and financially we can't. Uh, but Mr. Mr. Swan obviously coming in was like, I'm going to take him to the next level. doesn't matter how much money it takes or doesn't matter how long it's going to take, I'm going to take him. So he, he obviously, cause he was, he was a lot younger. He obviously, he was at Gainsborough beforehand, so obviously he's coming here. It's his first time in the first in the pro level, should we say, as a chairman. That ambition, that drive, that enthusiasm, the desire was obviously there in abundance. So he wanted to take it to that next level, sort of thing. So from afar, it was quite interesting to see what's going to happen, sort of thing. And um, yeah, like you say, I think like you say for the for the things maybe you put in to start with, what he was getting back probably didn't match. Obviously, both 
part is really, and that's why, like you say, Scunthorpe sort of sort of deteriorated. Where, like you say, performances started to get worse, crowds started to stay away, relegation upon relegation, and it was a uh, it was quite hard, really, because we've been quite fortunate. Like you say, over the ten years, the club's probably been promoted five or six times, only relegated twice, and always been, you know. And as well as, like you say, for how long it's been, how long they've been below Grimsby. For the last 10 years, they've been above Grimsby. And obviously, looking down on them and, and giving the fans banner and that sort of pride there has been massive and, and above Lincoln and, you know, in that area. Sort of really, it's only really Hull that was realistically above them, even though they've played in the last couple of times in the Championship. You know, as, a, as, you know, North Lincolnshire club, they looked upon clubs to think, you know what, we, we, we're one of the best here. And that's what they've been waiting for, for so long as a fan. So... To, to obviously get, you know, relegated a few times and, you know, I say performances start to dip. It started to be that, oh, well, have we, done, have we achieved as much as we can, really? And it's sort of, it's more negativity sort of thing around the place. And, it was, and that is hard to shake off as a, as a club and as players and people involved. And it was uh, from afar, like I say, I'd always, always look to scunny results and, and teams and, and wish them all the best. But it was, it was quite hard to see from afar, but it would have been harder if you were in around it. Let's talk about that third spell then, because obviously this is the area we're talking about now. You've just mentioned Peter Swan there. You sign in the December. Russ Wilcox is in charge. How does that third move actually come about then? Yeah, so obviously I was at Brentford and I was actually trained on my own for three months. And um, I had a massive bust up with Uwe Rosler. And I had to train on my own for three months, which is quite hard. Like I was getting in at three o'clock in the afternoon in, in the training ground. And I had to train on my own, um, which is really, is probably arguably the hardest thing for a, for a pro footballer because you've got no one around, you've got no one to talk to. And, and to be, it took me two hours every day to get to. So I was getting on a train, two hours across London, the other side, to train for an hour on my own to travel back. And if I didn't do that, I would have got fined or sort of thing. And, I, I, and obviously, I, I, I never want a club to take money out of me, out of, my own, you know, out of my own pocket sort of thing. So I always had to make sure I do that. So that was, that was really mentally hard. To, to go through sort of thing and obviously I went alone to Plymouth I wasn't fit or mentally even ready to go on loan but I went there to play football it didn't work out and then obviously I come back and then the case of right um, uh, Mark Warburton who's the QPR manager now was sporting director said look we need to sort this out you need to leave like we need to get sort this out pay up your contracts and you, just need, you need to go on your way this, this isn't right for anyone and I said no, that's, that's all I'm waiting for you to say but you've waited three months to say this so it wasn't going to be right. Do you know what I mean? It's 18 months it's been on the rocks, really. As soon as I signed, really, after the first couple of months, it wasn't right. Do you know what I mean? Me and, uh, me and Brentford didn't really match, really. what Didn't really perform. Didn't really get looked after. Didn't really care too much the club for me. So it was, it was quite a hard move, really, for me personally. Big, you know, out of mistakes, that's probably the biggest mistake I've made signing for Brentford. Um, but no disrespect to Brentford as a club, but just me personally, as I didn't perform, I didn't do well. It was, I say it was two hours every day to get to. It was it was it was quite hard. Um, so obviously sorted out a uh, my contract sort of thing. I left there, and as that happened, Russ obviously messaged me and was like, "You left Brentford now?" And I said, "Yeah, I've literally just sorted it out. It's not going well, sort of thing." He was like, "Right, okay." He said, um, "You know what are you can do with yourself?" I said, "Look, I don't even know Russ." I said, "Like, I just need to get out there." It was it was poison. It was acid. It was just I was struggling. Like I'm I'm obviously I'm well. I'm fit at the moment. My mind at the moment in football is just not there. I just need to need a little bit of time off it. And he said, "Look, if you ever want to come up and, and have a you know have a little training session, or you know if you're looking to get back into it, you know let's let's obviously let's talk about it." And I said, "Look, Russ, it might be an opportunity. So, I mean, I need my love back. I need to um, 
I need to get to back playing football. I said, but obviously I live in Essex now. But, and he said, look, if you come up and you, you know, you look in good shape and you train well, there might be a possibility of getting the deal here. I said, okay, then no worries. So went up there, had a couple of training sessions, done well in a little, you know, little behind closed door game between ourselves sort of thing. So I spoke to Dave Beebe, spoke to Russ, and they said, like, we want to sign you. We want to sign you. Like, I know we've got um, Sam here, Sam Winnell, and Dion Burton. Um, and obviously, but we need a sort of a third striker, really. Do you know what I mean? That can battle them for, for a place. And I know, I think you were sort of sitting third as well in the league or whatever you was. So I was like, 100% Russ. That's, that's all it is. You're only talking like a four-month deal, really, like from January to April, really. I know you got a little bit of maybe, only one game. So I was like, no worries. Let's, let's, um, let's sort it out. So then... Dave Beebe phoned me back and said, look, Mr. Swan wants to speak to you. I was like, look, okay, no worries. What, what does he want to speak about? He said, he just wants to know about, like, are you just here to just, you know, parade yourself around the fans? Are you here really to, you know, really knuckle down and work hard? How's it going to work for you, obviously, travelling from Essex to here? All, all the sorts of people. I said, look, if he wants to phone me, phone me. It's not a problem. I ain't got a problem. I've never spoken to him before. He doesn't know who I am. So it'd be good to speak to him. So obviously, Mr. Swan phoned me up. Uh, he was like, um, what are you going to do to um, make me want to sign you? And I was like, it's a strange conversation. This first, first word he said, uh, I was like, right. I said, well, obviously my CV from where I've been at Scunthorpe speaks volumes. Do you know what I mean? My first season, uh, first time round, obviously there for two and a half years, got promoted, um, you know, scored 20 goals and, and obviously scored 13 goals and, that sort of thing. My second season, I scored, I scored fifty goals in two seasons. Uh, sorry, no, not fifty goals. Uh, what would it be? Thirty-three goals in two seasons in the League One, and obviously in the uh, in the Championship. So, I don't really. If you're going on CV in, in your past, that's all I can show on. I said, Look, I'm only what still twenty, twenty-nine sort of thing. So it's not like I've, you know they say you hit your peak now. So I don't really know if I. I don't want to try and sell myself because I don't want to degrade myself but you can see that so he was like right okay I just don't know how it's going to work for you traveling from Essex up here every day I said well no if I'm playing for you then I'll be up there the days that I'm training and then when I'm days off I'll go home to see the family like players do that so it's not a problem he said yeah but what about the weather when it changes and the snow and stuff like that and it, at the time it felt like he was trying to make an excuse for it not to work um so I said look, look. I said look if it snows and I'm snowed in I'll get the train trains normally work all the time so I'll just get the train up I'll get an Uber or a, a taxi, it's not a problem. Do you know what I mean? If worse comes to worse, if I'm snowed in up, up north and I can't get home to my family, then so be it. Like, just make it work. We're only talking four months. And if it doesn't work out, then we will go our separate ways. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not a big, massive deal, but we'll try and make it work. Like, I know I would love to come back to play one more time for Scunthorpe. I'd, I'd like to think the fans might want to see me one more time. And I think it's, you know, it'd be good. And then that's when he said, like, it's not about just you and it's not about the fans, it's about the club and that sort of thing. I said, look, it's fine. Look, it's not a big deal. So, we was obviously going to that. And I know why he was saying that, because he wanted to look after, you know, make sure that it was a right move and the club and the money and that sort of thing. So it wasn't a case he was trying to be an arsehole, but he just wanted to do that. So it wasn't a problem. Um, so, yeah, no, we, we, we freshed it out, got it sorted. And then obviously signed a deal. And then um, signed a deal in December, but I couldn't play till January anyway. So it gave me a good couple of weeks to get fit in training, to play, you know, behind closed door games get myself ready for January and then ironically I couldn't play the first game of January because the paperwork couldn't go through in time like it normally does so I had to wait to the next, next game which was Mansfield away I think it was um, Dion Burton actually got injured on the Thursday in, in a bit of training and I thought oh he might be alright for the, for the weekend but Spadge phoned me straight away and he went listen 
listen, B's really hurt himself. Like, his calf is he's not great, mate. I went, look, he should be all right. Like, he's, he's a seasoned pro. Like, do you know what I mean? We all get little niggles sort of thing. He said, no, he's serious. He thinks, like, Scan come back and said he's got a, 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 he's, he's got a tear in his calf. So he's going to be out for about three or four weeks, Paul. So I was like, right, okay. Well, obviously, just brought in Paddy Madden as well, uh, which was big money from the Oval at the time, I think it was. And um, I thought, right, Russ has got a, a big job now. Who's he going to play either me or Paddy with, with Sam Winnell? I thought, well, look, wherever Russ plays, he plays. Like, I'm, I'm, I, there's no way I'm ever going to go in and say, well, I'm not playing. Because obviously, Paddy's been playing. He's been, you know, he's, he's obviously he's fit. I'm not really fit. And then it surprised me that Russ went, right, I'm going to start with Hayes and, and Sam up front. So I was like, wow, this is it's brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's, he actually has faith in me. And I've got, I think, right, I've, got last, I've just got to last 60 minutes because I'm not fit. Uh, I haven't played. I think my last game, I'd say, was back in October time. So I haven't played for three months or so. And then before that, I think it was August. I've only played sort of six games since the start of the season. So I was well out of shape, obviously, for fitness-wise and sort of thing. So I, um, he started me at Mansfield. And then, like I say, after about 10 minutes or so, I've managed to to uh, have a nice little shot from on a volley. And it's obviously gone in the top bins and it's just, it just just goes from there, like your your confidence, your ability, the game. He just he just he just went next and level, and I scored again. Obviously, in the second half, it was just you know what a return that is for me. Yeah, what a, what a strike that was, and obviously that season you scored four goals uh, in sixteen games, and you helped Scunthorpe to another promotion. I think at the time the fans were kind of saying it was a bit of a boring promotion. There was a lot of draws in there. Do you think that criticism was unfair? Obviously, because we did get the job done and we did get promoted back to League One. I, I think so because obviously it's the most unbeaten Scunthorpe side in history. I think it was, I think is it twenty two, twenty four games? I think they've been unbeaten. Is that right? Twenty eight games. Twenty eight games. I remember because I only remember that because I'd done some commentary down at Portsmouth away. Uh, Mike White asked me to do something down at Portsmouth, so I wasn't playing at the time. I was. I think I'd literally just. Um, I was at Brentford, but I was sort of finishing up my time at getting paid out, whatever I was going to do. So he asked me down at Portsmouth, do you want to come down and do some commentary on the, on the radio? So I come down, I was like, yeah, no worries. And they won 2 0, I think it was at Portsmouth away. And um, uh, Sia scored um, and played really I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Well, and I remember him saying, going into that game, he was going like, um, you know, we're, we're unbeaten for 10 or 15 games, wherever it was at the time. And he said like, you know, we're playing really well. Yeah, sometimes we're not performing, but we're just, we're not losing. And he said, that's, that's a sign for a, for a good side. So, when he first said that around sort of December time, it made me think, okay, like, you know, I know this is an unbeaten thing. And then I was going into, when I went in there, I realised it was still unbeaten. 
and it was a case of you just went with it. But the difference was, I know, listen, we obviously made a, we obviously drew a lot of games, but every game we went into, we felt like we weren't going to lose. And then obviously, um, like the saying is, if you can't win, you just don't lose. And it sort of, it, it got us a little bit more noticed around clubs and around obviously England to say, you talked off 18 games, 19 games, 20 games unbeaten. And what it does is psychologically, people start to think, these ain't lost for 15, 20, 22 games. How are teams not beating these? And already you're going into games and obviously beating the other team because they're realising no one can beat this team. So yes, obviously we probably wasn't playing our the best football that they probably had done beginning the season, but we just wasn't losing games. And it was, um, and that's probably why, like you say, at the end of it, we got promoted because teams just couldn't beat us. And they struggled against us and we grind out things and we had that team spirit. And maybe it wasn't as exciting as what it was when I was last there with, um, with me and Hoops and then before that with, with Keo and, and Sharpie and stuff like that. And then before that with, with you know, Carruthers and Torpy because it was just four four two and it was getting at teams and scoring goals and entertaining and things like that. Where, you know, here it was a little bit like, like you say, it was a grinding out results and stuff. But ultimately, Russ knew what he was doing. He got the team, like I say, 28 games unbeaten. He got himself third. I think we finished third or definitely or second. Got promoted on the, the last game of the season as well. When it was, do you know what I mean? We're back up to League One because we've, we had near enough. I think we got really twice in three seasons, I think it was before that. So it was all doom and gloom, negative, crowds were low. People, st- you know, the, the local rivals starting to, to nigger us sort of thing. Uh, you know, this, you're back to where you should be and that sort of thing. And to get out of that negativity, it's really hard, as you can see with a lot of teams. Like, it took a while for Leeds to get out of that and uh, Portsmouth to get out of that. Sunderland are going through it at the moment where they just can't turn that, that, that negative into a positive and push on sort of thing. And it's really, really hard to, it's easy to fall into and it's hard to get out of. And uh, Rush changed that in the, the manner that he, he, um, he was on the training field and his meetings and his performances and, and the players he brought in. And like I say, Russ was really good because he brought in, um, obviously he brought Cliff back he brought Marcus Williams back. He brought me back. Obviously, uh, uh, Sparrow, I think, went back as well. He, he realised, you know what, we're, as a club, we're sort of down there at the moment. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're a lot of negativity, a lot of bad stuff. And he thought, what can maybe bring, bring this back again? And he, and, he, and he put trust in the old players to come back and rekindle that in a way. And it was, um, do you know what, it's, it's probably the, you know, the, the right thing and the best thing that he could have done. And that, that, that sign of an intelligent man. And I've got a lot of time for Russ because I say I know from him when I first went there sort of thing but how much he's grown and then seeing him as only an assistant manager because he obviously went with Brian Laws everywhere to actually be a manager but he had to make his own decisions and his own training methods and everything like that that made me think you know what he's learned so much and he's still learning and um, and it was really good I'm really pr- uh, proud of him Let's just sort of ask about the end of that season then, because you get, obviously you get released after we get the promotion to League One. I remember thinking at the time that, you, you know, I, I wish you'd have stayed on for another season. What went on with that release? Who, who made the decision? Did you want to stay on or what happened there? Yeah. I think um, Mrs. Swan. So it was me, Russ was talking about it. And Russ said, look, because obviously he, he obviously done his players uh, like like always at the end of the season, you, you speak to players individually and in, in the, in the um, office and things like that. So I was doing, I got towards the end of the season, I think it was like a day after or two after. And Russ said, look, I'll, um, it's probably, I don't expect you to come in because um, obviously I know you're packing up and ready to go back down south to see your family. He said, so probably best over the phone. And he just said, look, you know, what are your thoughts? And I said, look, Russ, I'd, I'd love to stay. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
I've managed to stay up. You know, I'm only just turned, oh, I'm still 29 or just turned 30, I think I was. I said, but going up to League One, I still think I'm, I'm, I'm in good shape. I can still score, as you've seen, obviously. I think I've had six starts, score four goals. So, obviously, I, I can still score. Do you know what I mean? It's not a problem. Um, and he said, right, OK, then like, I'm going to go back to Mr. Swan and speak to him. And then about two days later, he obviously phoned me and said, like, I've got um, got to, um, obviously, we spoke about it and we're looking about next season into League One and, and, and the fit and stuff like that. And he said, um, you know, don't know if you're going to fit into the sort of squad that we may be looking at. And um, I was like, right, OK, Russell, I love honesty. If that's what you think, I said, I'm going to disagree with you because my stats prove differently. But if you think that, then that's fine. Um, not a problem. And obviously, I've spoken a little again, but I don't really think that come from Russ because the, the, the information and when Russ has always been around me is, is he would have kept me on. Do you know what I mean? He would love to have me, whether it was going to be a first choice, a second choice or first choice striker sort of thing. He had belief and honesty that he, he wanted me to say and obviously he knew what what I was like in the change rooms, you know, my relationship to the fans and stuff like that thing. But like anything, Mr. Swan was very ambitious. He wanted to, um, he felt that maybe he could have got in something better for the money or something better in the long run or whatever he was going to get. And listen, you live and die by your decisions. Mr. Swan believed in that. It weren't a problem. It was obviously disappointing because I wanted to stay at Stunfall because, uh, you know, I didn't want to leave. But, you know, people can turn around and say, you know, the last two times you decided to leave, this time now you've been told to leave. So, you know, sometimes what goes around comes around, but I wasn't ready to leave. I wanted to stay. Um, I was ready to sign again, whether it's going to be a six month, a year, two years, whatever they were going to offer, I would have signed it. But like I say, Mr. Swan thought about bigger things and wanted to get better players in. And like I say, his decision was that. I think it was, like I say, probably more Mr. Swan. I might be wrong if you spoke to Russ. Russ might say it was his decision. I don't, but from my gist of it, I think it was Mr. Swan. And just to end on a couple of general questions then, um, over the course of your career, who was your favourite strike partner? Um, Tom Bryan. No, I'm only messing. He's obviously Gary Hoover, <laughs> like you say. It's, uh, uh, it was one of them. And to be fair, Tom was quite a funny one because we bought Steve McLean in the year before and it was so good. Um, we had the, and, uh, Mr. Wharton had a great relationship with Rangers. The following year, Rangers said, look, we've got another lad here that's, you know, arguably as good as and that sort of thing. And Tom Bryan come in. Lovely boy, really nice boy, sort of thing, but he just, he just didn't click. He just didn't have the same uh, stamp and mark in the games as what Stevie had, sort of thing. So it's a shame, really. Uh, he had a great left foot, but nah, listen, it's going to be Gary Hooper. Like, we've, what did we score? So we scored 50. We scored 83 goals in two seasons. So um, that's a heck of a amount of goals, not even including this. You know, listen, Hoop's hardly passable, so he probably only got two assists in two years. Do you know what I mean? He loved scoring goals, but obviously I've got, the, I've got quite a few assists as well. So, like you say, probably, I don't know, maybe I could be proved wrong stats-wise, but between us, we probably was involved in 100 goals between us, scoring or assisting. So, in two seasons, and that's, that's, a, lot of, that's a lot of involvement in, in scoring and winning and, and being part of it and having that partnership. And I, I would love to throw it out there, I think, stats-wise, as a partnership over the course of two years, who is actually up there with that? And listen, Keo and Sharp are on the same wavelength and same page, that sort of thing. But I don't know. I'd love to, to find out who is actually, stats-wise, over two years playing together, who has actually been involved in, and got more goals and assists for a partnership. So I definitely Hooks was, was, was by far the best. Even to now, is, look, Bradley Wright was always up there as well. 
got had a good relationship with Bradley Wright and stuff like that. He's gone and done well and played really well with him. But um, I genuinely think me and Hoots had something that I could never, ever have again with anyone else. And and it's quite funny, really, because Hoots went up to Celtic and I think Hoots done fantastic at Celtic. Really did. Do you know what I mean? He scored a lot of goals. But I actually listened to his dad on Talk Sport talking about Celtic and their ambition. I think it was his second season at, at Celtic, I think it was. And he, and he actually said on the radio that it's a shame Celtic hasn't got another strike partner like Hoops had at Scunthorpe with Paul Haynes because them two there was on the same wavelength and they, they would score in every, every game or every other game together where my son Hoops or Gary has not had that at Celtic and it's a shame you know, that he hasn't got that partnership in Paul at Celtic, which I didn't know about. It was my friend that sent me the link and that sort of thing that I thought, wow. What you know? That's that's quite big. That is to say that sort of thing. And do you know what I mean? Like I say, Hoops has played with better players at Celtic than what I than me. But um, yeah, I'll definitely Hoops is the by far the best. Just on that stripe partnership, one thing that uh, we were going to ask earlier on that we didn't actually was when you left the second time, and obviously Hooper had gone to Celtic at that point. There was a little bit of talk. I don't know how true this was that the partnership would go together to Norwich. Was that something that was ever mentioned? Yeah, I think it was. I think not. Not between me and Hoot. Listen, trying to get two words out of Hoots, you've had an achievement there. He would sit in the change rooms and just text people in the same change room. He didn't like talking. It's quite. A sh- <laughs> For how good Hoots was on the pitch, he was a very shy boy. Very shy. Didn't really talk much. Uh, we used to just call Murphy's called him Legohead. Because his head would never, his hair would not move at all in the in the wind or anything like that. So, like I say, he was a very much a, a very very shy, very quiet, kept himself to himself. But obviously, he would say little, you know, he would have a little one liner sort of thing. So, me me and Hoops, obviously, I would say like, you know, Hoops, I know this club's interesting, yeah. He'd be like, oh yeah, I'll just let my dad deal with that. I'll just let that sort of thing. Where he kept it a little bit confidential, sort of thing. But I know my agent said to me anyway. He said, look, there is Norwich that are watching you and Hooks as a partnership at the moment. Because I know um, going into that, that championship season as well, uh, Robbie Savage said to me on the pitch, <coughs> he said, don't sign with anyone because we're going to come for you and Hooks. I've already spoken to the manager. Could we play, when we played Derby at home, I think being 2-1, uh, obviously Savage said, like, don't, we, you and Hooks are by far the best partnership together in the championship. We're going to sign you, both. So there's always talks about that. And that's when I said, like, when about the contracts, I like, I wanted to see how true and and who would actually come to the, the to the front line to to maybe potentially sign me. Um, so yeah, there's talks of that, but there was also a rumor by saying that you know, Celtic come and watch Hoops the last five games of the season. So um, you know, Celtic watching and people start putting two together, saying, "Oh, me, me and Hoops are going to go maybe to Celtic together," uh, which made me think, "Well, wow, like." Obviously, I'm playing well, but I'm not. I personally, I don't know if I can know to get to that level. But Hoops is, like you say, he's a scoring goals left, right, and centre. Like, do you know what I mean? Wouldn't surprise me. Celtic put a bid in for him, but Celtic was freaking massive. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, they just they'll spend that money, sort of thing. So um, now we, like I said, there was always rumours going around with, with me and Hoops about what we're going to do, sort of thing, because you know Bobby Hassel was a really close friend to me at Barnsley. He would text me, message me all the time by saying, "There's loads of people phoning him up." about like me and Hoops as a partnership and he said he tells everyone that we're the best partnership in the championship as a as a group so as a partnership sorry to say so there was a lot of talk but nothing really materialised into that but it's a shame really because I was on the free Hoops obviously only cost like you say I, th- I think he went for about two million or whatever he did which is if, if you're talking about it nowadays when Hoops is scoring 
well, I think Hoops comes second in the, in the championship leading goal scorers, scored 20 goals in the championship. The guy would have gone for 15 mil. Nah. Do you know what I mean? So that 2 million back then was obviously a lot of money, but, um, you know, you're getting a partnership there for really 2 million because you're not paying for me. So it would have been nice because we probably would have carried on together as the way we played, but it obviously didn't work that way. Who was maybe the most underrated player with the fans that you really enjoyed playing with? Probably the most underrated. Um, uh, good question. Um, Dave Murphy rings a bell. Um, called in the Ox. Because he was just, like I say, he wasn't over big. Like you say, he probably six foot in a way for a centre-half quite small. But he was just so strong. And he never got too high with mistakes. He never got too low with mistakes and vice versa. When he scored, he never really went nuts. He was just as calm and as, as you know, about everything like if he got dropped he never moaned if he started he just got on with it um he was very very underrated because i felt every time he was in the side you knew what you're going to get with him you'll win his headers you'll put his face in the way of it you'll block things and he will just try and do the things to his best ability but he never ever like stood out for people um like i said another one is the dog well he'll just run around but he would for, for for him to do that it allowed grant to go and be lazy in the way and go and link up with me and me and Hoops really and not really trapped back as much because he knew that Dogwell was going to do all he's running for him and, and do you know what I mean that sort of thing so how great Grant was and he was so effective he, Grant could not have done that without Dogwell and vice versa Togs could never have done the things he'd done if he didn't have Grant next to him if he had similar players we really would have got found out um, so and, and Sparrow probably enough one as well like for what he does he's very energetic you know wins his tackles get in does things, you know, fans love him as well. Like, they're probably the ones, but probably above all, probably Dave Murphy was probably the most underrated that no one really spoke about. You know, you don't really see many Murph shirts. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you know, fans are buying sort of thing, but he was so effective for the two or the three years that we was together. He was brilliant. Great lad as well. As hard as this one might be, across your three spells with the club, do you have a favourite iron moment? Iron moment? <sighs> I think it'd be that. There's, oh, I was there for six and a half, six and a half years. It's, uh, <laughs> it's hard. Um, well, you're either looking at the, the goal at Chelsea when I'm 21 that is completely, I didn't even expect to score. Obviously, like I say, you expect to maybe have a shot or two, but don't really confidently I'm going to score. So to score there in front of the Scumport fans is probably probably the, the, the biggest and the most highlight that I can think. Obviously, promotion, but that's as a group sort of thing, but individually it has to be the Chelsea goal. It has to be. And then just to finish off, um, just talk about what you're doing now. So you obviously become a football agent. Um, why that over a coaching role? Well, being, having a coaching role or being a manager, which I've got all my coaching badges for, it's, out, it's a little bit out of your um, control. Like you say, I've, I've applied for jobs and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to get a job as a coach or a manager, but, Ultimately, you've got to wait for an email or an interview or a phone call back where an agent is more a case of, right, I can't become a coach or a manager. So the next thing to be is an agent where I can still chat to clubs, still be in around football and be around players. So that's the next thing because once you're away from football, trust me, after a year or two years, people forget about you. And that's just what it is. And uh, people go, oh, where, where is he at now? Or what's he doing with himself? And you've got to make sure you're still networking around people sort of thing. And I say, I, I, so when I left Wickham, uh, literally at the end when obviously I still had another year left, but Gaz said like, you know, he's, 
it might be best that you move on because of injuries and, and stuff like that. And I said, look, I totally understand, guys. It's not a problem. And he's another man, I would say, just below uh, Nigel Atkins of the top men that I'd ever love to work for, worked under and, and that sort of thing. Gareth Ainsworth was he's brilliant. And that's why I think he's going to go up to the top because he's, he's man management, he's understanding respect levels and you would run for a brick wall for him. Um, obviously, I left there. And as I left there, me and I say my ex-wife went through a, a bad separation. So I left there. Obviously, we separated, which was quite hard. And then, obviously, I went to Newport. And I had a great time there. Only six months, like I did when I went to Scunthorpe. Really enjoyed it. Flinny looked after me really well. Loved the lads. It was brilliant. And unfortunately, I couldn't sign back there again. Flinny actually said to me, I want to offer you a deal, but I need you to move across because you can't keep traveling backwards and forth like I was. And I, obviously, because I'd gone through a separation and because I was having the kids as well, I couldn't move over that way because I couldn't, I couldn't move the kids for one year to Wales. So that was a shame. And then I know I had, I had Exeter because um, Matt Taylor, who's a manager, I didn't know, and he offered me a player coach role with the 23s and to play a little bit or be involved in it sort of thing. Again, he said, look, I need you to move across here. And I said, look, Matty, I can't move my kids across. Like, what if you get sacked after six months and they get rid of me? I can't move the kids back. It's, it's impossible. So... My, my options were very, very limited, as in the, the playing game. And like you say, I, I, I obviously felt like I'm going re- to retire now and I just need to think about what I need to do. Um, and then obviously a non-league club coming me, offered me a lot of money locally to play for them. And for well, look, my heart's not in it, my head's not in it, but you know, like anything, you need to pay for the bills. So obviously a sign for them. Do you know what? It was lovely. Lovely little club. Really enjoyed it, sort of thing. And got to end of that and I thought, right, what am I going to do with myself, sort of thing. So I had another year left. Because uh, offered me a two-year deal, sort of thing, which was great. But obviously, this agency got in touch with me and said, "Look, you know, I think you're the contacts you've got and the people you know, and and how you know people respect you and like you and that sort of thing. I think you'll be great as an agent. You can come on board with us, and we'll give you a salary and that sort of thing." And I thought, Do you know what, the longevity is, I could be an agent forever, but I can only play football for year two, three, four years max, really. And it's it's quite hard trying to juggle the kids when you're on your own playing with you know football sort of thing. So I took it on board. And if, to be honest with you, I, I've left there now because it's been an absolute disaster. And the, the agency that I was working for for the six months are a recruitment company and they're con artists and they don't care about players and they don't care about clubs and all they want is result-based business, just like recruitment people do. And, you, and they think recruitment and football go together. And anyone in football will tell you the same thing. Recruitment and football do not go together. Otherwise, every recruitment company would be agents because it's that easy. And they just think you should go and get a player Prime example is they go, right, you're close with Ben Hamer. The, um, the, he's the derby keeper now, but he was at Leicester and Huddersfield sort of thing. <clears throat> you're very good pals with Ben Hamer. Get him signed on to us and we'll get him a deal. And that's how stupid these people are. Where they think, because he's my mate, he'll just come and sign for me for this crap company that no one knows about, that they have got no contacts at all, but they're relying on me to get contacts, to speak to people, to get him a move. And, and, and have his whole faith and money and trust in me. And, and I'm, I've never been an agent before. So I should have been able to learn the ropes through someone more experienced and, and a company, that sort of thing. And, and that's what I was up against. And it was a lot of rows, a lot of disagreements, and a lot of things. And, and they mispaid paid me as well. And they didn't pay me, obviously, expenses. And, and I missed out a couple months of pay and stuff like that. And it just got screwed. I thought, you know what? My reputation's on the line here. I like to think whoever you ask about people, majority of people are going to say that, you know, it might be a good. Uh, recommendation about myself and I thought if I work for these people and I put myself in a situation that I won't like 
people start to think about my reputation out of football won't be good. And I thought my reputation online is so I need to leave this company before bad things happen. So I left there around just before Christmas time, which is obviously quite hard, really, because obviously you've got Christmas coming up. So obviously just went back to just playing like locally, like normally football sort of thing, because like I said, I didn't play football since last April. So my fitness levels, I didn't do any training or anything like that. So it was really low. So um, like I said, season done that sort of thing. Going into the next season, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know whether I'm contemplating staying, trying to get really fit and going back and trying to play, you know, Conference South or, or the Conference because um, I'm in reasonably good shape or whether or not I take a new thing. I know I've just started up a one-on-one sessions with a lot of kids around here and I'm trying to build that up sort of thing. And that could be a good way of obviously giving back to the kids, that sort of thing. I know I was, I was coaching at Charlton Academy with my boys down there for two years. So there's, there's a little things that I can possibly do sort of thing. Um, but maybe potentially become the Scunny manager. You never know. Yeah, well, we've had a lot of people suggest it to us, actually. So I think it's something we'd be quite open to. Uh, I think that's probably a good place to end there then. So, Paul, thank you so much for doing this. No worries. Brad, Matt, thank you so much. Uh, no worries. Listen, have a lovely time. Have a good Easter. Don't drink too much, because I will. And uh, <laughs> listen, enjoy the weather and, and stay safe. And I hope you and your family stay safe. And anyone listening, I hope you're all, all okay and your family's fine and, and all crack on. And Let's just see what, what happens with the season and see if we get back to playing or they avoid it. Who knows? So, listen, everyone stay safe, okay? Thank you very much for listening to this and thanks to Paul again and we'll see you on the next In Conversation. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 